In 2011, there was a, uh, a teenager, 17 years old, in China who wanted an iPhone and an iPad. And this is a true story. And his parents were poor, and they didn't have the money. So he got on the Internet, and he found some doctors doing illegal surgeries, and he sold his right kidney to purchase an iPhone and an iPad. And he got $4,500 for it. And he got the iPad, and he got the iPhone, and everything was great until everybody found out what happened. The doctors were arrested. They went to jail. His philosophy was, hey, you have two kidneys. You only need one. Why not sell one and make some money? The problem is today he is bedridden at 25, and the doctors say he may be bedridden the rest of his life with kidney failure in that one kidney. You know, when I read that story this week, a lot of things came to my mind, how sad it was, how horrible it was, but also how unwise that was. What an unwise decision. We're in Proverbs 1 this morning. Proverbs 1, if you have your Bibles. If, if you don't, the passage will be on the screen. And we're in our series about being wise. And we're going to be in Proverbs a lot this spring. Proverbs is the practical, maybe the most practical book in the whole Bible. I mean, it's just choke full of, of things that we should do and, and not do and how to not be angry and use your mouth wrongly. Uh, it's, it, it's a great book. We've been laying the foundation of wisdom the last two weeks, and we are again this morning in Proverbs 1. And, and I want to begin with this. God tells you how to live your life really well. Now, I, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I want you to think with me just for a second. Unless you are psycho, are you, everything's not firing properly, any normal person wants to do life well. You want life to go well, you want to be effective, you don't want to be 25 laying in a hospital bed the rest of your life because you did something dumb when you were 17. You want to do life well. Proverbs lays it out. Verse 1 through 6 are kind of the, the beginning point of this book, obviously. It's just the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple. We may have a few simple here this morning. We have ministers. We always have simple here, don't we? Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise, I love this, let wise people hear and get wiser. And the one who understands to obtain guidance. In verse 6, to understand the proverb and to saying the words of the wise and their riddles. I I read this this week, a a quote from somebody, and I think this is true. No one is born wise. No one is born wise. I think you would agree with me. We we know a lot of people have been born dumb, but no one is born wise. In in fact, wisdom is something that that you have to strive for. And and the the thing is, you can get wisdom, you can be wise, but, but it's something you continue to strive for and increase in the rest of your life. The word wisdom, if you're taking notes, in, in here in the Scripture means intelligent or skillful. Listen, it's, it's wisdom for how to live. It's how to do life effectively and successfully. Listen, when God talks about being effective and successful, He's not talking about health and wealth. He's talking about doing life well relationally, emotionally, doing life well with other people, doing life well business-wise. It, it's, how, it's doing practical common sense. It's a, it's a wisdom that's based, we're going to see, in God. It's a, ba- a wisdom that leads to moral and ethical proper responses. And it's a wisdom that can be learned. I was talking this week with Jeremy Gant, who 
comes to our church and owns Rustin Tractor. And we were talking about tractor mechanics. And I asked Jeremy, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I said, Jeremy, how, how long does a guy have to go to, to school to be a tractor mechanic? A year or two? And he goes, no, a lot of the guys we're getting have been in school three or four years. And he said, he'll go to school for three years, then they do a four-year intern. And uh, he kind of smiled, and, and he didn't say this, but he kind of implied it. We really don't want people like you working on a hundred dollars to $200,000 piece of equipment. When you've got a tractor that may cost $250,000, you need people who are skilled and trained. And a good mechanic's got to get trained to work on that effectively. And a good mechanic's got to go the rest of their life while they're working and continue to develop their skills. Hear what God's telling you this morning. You may have a Ph.D. and be dumb. There's a lot of educated idiots. Amen? There is. You, you, can be, you can be brilliant academically and not do life well at all. And, it, but, and the scary thing is, too, a lot of us, a lot of us are never going to have an IQ of 175. You are not going to have it no matter what you do. And you, you, can't, you can't get to that level. You may never run 100 yards in 9.5 seconds. But what God tells us something that's greater is that your, your ability to do life well is something you can and should increase and continue to get better at doing it. To me, that's exciting. How do we do it? I want to give you two thoughts. I want to begin with a negative first. Number one, don't be foolish. Isn't that good? If you want to be wise, don't be dumb. You know any dumb people? Don't point, but you do. Look what he says in verse 7. Verse 7, a lot of scholars say this is the theme of the whole book of Proverbs. I, I, I agree with it. It's our memory verse for this month. I don't know if anybody has learned it. Close your eyes and see if you can say it with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Oh, my goodness. But fools despise wisdom and, and instruction. Josh, here's how some of the youth were looking at that. I said, close your eyes. They're going. They were looking, though. Okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word fear there, and we're going to go back to this in a moment. I just want to touch on it. It means to respect someone, to honor. It can mean being afraid of. It, it means to revere and to hold in high esteem. Listen, this is going to be the key to wisdom. Fools don't do this. The word fool, you see there, means to despise wisdom. To despise common sense, to despise instruction, to despise being helped. A, a fool is a quarrelsome person. Biblically, a fool is an ungodly person. The Bible tells you, listen, the Bible says, Jesus says, don't ever call a person a fool. That's a strong word. But the Bible and Jesus can call people that. And the Bible says, here's what a fool is. A fool is a person who despises God and wisdom. It's quarrelsome. It's ungodly. In Psalms 14.1, listen to what it says. It says, the, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The godless corrupt person says there is no God. On CNN this week, one of their writers made this statement, Biblical morality is disgusting. I'm never going to preach politics, but when politics or the news gets into ethics and morality in the Bible and God, that's fair game. If you would look at the Bible and say that the Bible's teachings on how to live is disgusting, I would say that's foolish. I wouldn't call that person a fool. I would say that's foolish. I think many of you would agree. It's pretty easy to say that a person 
person has the right to believe what they want to believe, and we welcome an atheist or an agnostic to come to our church and be here every Sunday morning. But the Bible says that's a dangerous position. If you're going through life with no, not even believing there or acknowledging there's a God, no respect or honor of God, that's a foolish position. And I would say probably most of the people in this room today and most that would be watching or listening online don't have that position. We would acknowledge there is a God, but let me tell you where we are foolish. We just live our life where God doesn't make a difference in it. We would never say there is no God. We just live our life the way we want to live. We live our life foolishly because we live our life without God in view, without God leading us or being the priority. Foolish person. Leaves God out. He says they despise, look in verse 7, they despise wisdom. Despise means they hold in contempt. They look at the things of God and common sense things almost as like they're disgusting. They hold it in contempt. The wisdom, the good skill, skillful living, they despise it. And that word instruction there, they despise wisdom and instruction. It means discipline and reproof and correction. Listen, the foolish person, the person who's not going to live wisely, may have a master's degree, a doctor's degree. They may be a preacher. They may be a super educated person. But they, they ignore God. They're unapproachable. They're unleadable. In fact, I want to give you two thoughts just about the, the foolish person in living unwisely. One, foolish people are arrogant. I think the Bible says that. They don't want to be taught. They don't want to be corrected. They got it all figured out. Got it all figured out. Foolish people are arrogant. And, and number two, foolish people are unteachable. I tell you, in, in my personal journey, when I went to graduate school at 22 to be a preacher, I thought I had a pretty good handle on God, church, preaching, life. After my first week in seminary, I learned how much I didn't know. By the time I got a four-year degree or a 94-hour master's degree and then started working on a doctor's degree, you know what I realized? How much I didn't know. I would challenge you, I would challenge you this. You ask somebody this week, you ask your husband or your wife if you got the guts. You really got guts, ask your boss. Ask the people who work under you. Ask your coaches, ask your teachers. Do I come across as an arrogant person? Am I a coachable or a teachable person? Foolish people, foolish people got it all figured out. And don't, listen, don't hide behind the, the false piety. Oh, man, I am so humble and teachable before God, and I'm arrogant and unteachable before man. Listen, that's unbiblical. A biblical, a biblical humility is before God and for others. God says the foolish person despises wisdom. They despise being corrected. They got everything figured out. I heard one of our congressmen in D.C. talking about a fellow congressman, and they said, this person is 100% confident they're always right, and then when you put to paper the things they want to do, they're almost 100% wrong. That's a bad place to be in. Someone posted on Facebook recently, it was really a good quote if I can find it, we live in a, a world where intelligent people are full of doubts and dumb people are full of confidence. Isn't that the truth? How are you living your life? You're teachable? You're correctable? You're 15 and got it figured all out? Are you 21 and got it all figured out? Are you 35? You're 55? You got it all figured out? 
Where's God figure in in how you do life? You parents, is God and what God wants you to do, is it always front and center right here? God always in view as you parent. Check your checkbook, your schedule this week. How you do life, is God the center or is God, are you a practical atheist is what he would ask us here. Do you live your life? Do I live my life in a way that is not going to help us in the future the way we live this morning and the way we live this week? I knew a person for years. I was not this person's pastor, but I knew him for years, loved him, was involved in their life, who I watched for decades live very unwisely. Now, I, I think this person was actually a Christian, but they never had time to go to church. You know, just busy, stuff going on. I mean, they love God. He just, he never was figured into anything in their life. The way they parented, and I think they love their kids, the way they parented, God was never figured in the equation. You couldn't teach them and correct them and instruct them. Their, their doctors couldn't. Their bosses couldn't. They went to job after job after job. Their family couldn't. They lived for the hour. I don't mean they didn't live for the day. They lived for the moment. If they decided at 11 o'clock they wanted to eat a chocolate pie, they ate a full chocolate pie. And I'm all for that, but that has consequences, doesn't it? They decided it too. They wanted to go spend $5,000 on something that they did not have any money whatsoever to do it. They would beg, borrow, and steal or max out another credit card to do it. They lived for the moment. And what I saw... I saw them die young and sadly. Simple as this may sound, the first step to wisdom is just don't live foolishly. Don't live arrogantly. Don't live your life saying you believe there's a God, but it reflects in nothing in how you do life. Now, here's the positive God tells us this morning, how we live wisely. Don't live foolishly and live your life with God constantly in your view. I'm going to explain that a little more in a moment. But you're living your life because he is like God is always right here. Like God is always right here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you're taking notes again, the word fear, it does mean tremble. And there's an aspect certainly about God that ought to scare us straight. When I was growing up, I, I was afraid of my dad. I mean, my dad loved me. He was a good man. But, but I, I was careful the things I did about my dad because that was still back in the era when you could spank a kid, and he believed in that. So I avoided or I walked the, the chalk. Fear means to reverence or to honor. And when you fear God, listen, when you fear God, you don't put him way back on the back burner. You put him in the top place in your life. You have a reverence and honor for God that you have for no one else. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word beginning, it may sound simple, but man, it's a huge word here. It, it doesn't mean just the starting place. It means the chief thing. It means the chief thing. The fear of the Lord is the chief thing. It's interesting in Jesus' day and in the Old Testament when a non-Jewish person like you or me, a Gentile, would come and, and worship the true God of Judaism, they called them Baptist. No, they didn't call them Baptist. They called them non-denial. No, they called them God-fearers. Because they said these people have woken up and realized who God is and that he should be respected and that he should be honored. 
Listen, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's, it's the foundation. If you were going out today to build a house, you might want to have a great roof. You want to make sure you have great Wi-Fi. You want to have good TVs. You want to have good flooring. You want to have good walls. But, man, you've got to have a good foundation. It's not only the first thing that you put in, but, but it matters all the way through. If everything else in your house is great and you have foundation problems for the next 30 years, you've got major problems. The fear of God, putting God in the right place, always in your view, in your life, and my life, that's the beginning of living life skillfully and wisely. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge, again, is tied in with wisdom. It's understanding and skill. If you want to do life well, God's always before you. You worship, you honor, you trust, you follow. You stay teachable, you stay humble. And God's always in your view. I call it a 360 view of God. You know what a 360 view means everywhere you turn, there God is. And that's how life is. The wise people just realize this. Hebrews 13.5 is a verse that very few of you will ever memorize, but it is a great verse. I learned it years ago, and it says, For God has said, I will never, never fail you nor forsake you. Isn't that wonderful to know that? Don't you want to know at the worst time in your life, God's there? When, when you're having heartaches, when you're having problems, when you're at the funeral home, in the hospital, God is always there. But let me give you the flip side someone told me years ago. God is always there. And wise people buy into this. Let me give you some practical applications. When you're on your computer late at night or your cell phone and everybody else is asleep, you know God's there? <laughs> you young people, or you're, if you're not married today, the Bible calls having sex when you're not married, it calls it fornication. Let me give you a, kind of a staggering, uncomfortable thought, wisdom thought. When you begin to go down a road sexually that you shouldn't be going down, did you know God is always there? Ugh. You're married. You're, you're on a business trip. You are a long way from everybody. Nobody's going to know. That's the famous last words of people who get caught. And you decide to go to bed with somebody you're not married to besides your spouse. Do you know God's always there? You're doing your taxes the next few weeks. You want to gig the IRS and you want to cheat a little bit. You know God's watching. God's always there. You're cheating on a test. Cheating at work. Not doing what we should do. Hey, you men, you, you, you treat your wife one way in public and one way when it's just you and her. You know God's there. You women, you, you love your husband in public, but you treat him bad when you're at home. You know, God's there. You young people, how you treat each other, how you treat your parents, parents, how you treat your kids. God is always there. God's always watching. And I, I'm not trying to throw weird stuff at you. I'm just trying to say this can change your life because wise people live their life knowing that God is always there to help you, to bless you. But, but that... Listen, that ought to keep us on the right path when we swallow that and we take that to heart. 
years ago, it was 2005, Cindy and I and Steve and Lori Leach, Steve worked at the church at this time. We went to London for a conference, London, England. And I made Steve drive because in England, the steering wheels are on the wrong side, and you drive on the wrong side of the road. And I just thought if anybody was going to crash, it would be better for the associate pastor than the pastor. And so he drove. And in England, there are London, there are cameras everywhere. I mean, everywhere. You're being watched all the time. God's watching you, and so is the government of Great Britain. And so Steve drives. We get back home about a month later. We literally, at the church, we got a ticket. I don't know, Scotland Yard? Steve got a speeding ticket. They, the cameras caught him. I don't know if they had our picture or what, but... They got a driver's license. They called the rent-a-car people. The rent-a-car people traced it back and gave them our name. At First Baptist Ruston, we got a traffic ticket from London, England. I have no idea if Steve Leach ever paid that. My suggestion for you is if you're in London and they find out you're from Ruston and they say what church you go to, you say temple. (laughs) You know one thing that taught me? There are eyes on you when you don't even know there are eyes on you. Young people, listen to me. How that will change your world if you live that way. How that would change our ways. Mom and dad, are you raising your kids with the view that God's watching? Listen, young people, moms and dads, are, are we living our life understanding what we sow, we reap? What we sow, we reap. Are you living your life, am I living my life in view of a fear of God that someday every person in this room will stand before God and give an account. Mom and dads, listen, man, I want to encourage you. You help your kids be the best athletes, the best students, the best musicians, the best dancers, what, that whatever it is they love. You get them in it and help them. But, man, don't you neglect God in that. I thought I was going to play professional football until the first week of college football. I don't know. I hope everyone in the in front of me makes it big in something. The odds are that very few will make it to a professional level. But everyone will stand before God. God says, I want you to live your life wisely, teachable, humble, correctable, moldable, and live your life in view that God is always here with you, watching you. Live your life today with that in view. Live your life today and lead your family with the view, what I do today matters tomorrow. Live your life wisely. In Proverbs, excuse me, in Psalms 37, 4, there's a little passage. I love this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We don't have time to unpack all that. The desire of your heart is more than just kind of what you want with your eyes. God knows really what you want. And, and, and God's telling you, listen, you live wisely. You live for me. I will lead you where you really want to be. The word delight is interesting because you can think it means find your joy in someone or something. And it does. But it's a deeper word than that. It means to be moldable and teachable. It, it means delight yourself in the Lord. You find your joy and your love in him. But you have a heart of wisdom, a heart that listens, that learns, that's correctable. And and when you live that way, that's how you end up 
with the life that you truly want. Listen, it's exciting to me to know this, that you and I, no matter what's happened in our past, we can get it right with God. And starting this morning, we can be on a journey to live a great and wise life if we'll make the right choices. So I ask you, will you? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, the gut check for for us is, are we living wisely? Are we living well? And if not, what corrections will we make? If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, you're ready to give your life to Christ, you pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And I want to challenge you to make a wise move towards God. Maybe you just asked Christ in your life and you're ready to do that. I'll be happy to talk to you after church. I'll be over here at this door. Maybe you're ready today when we stand to come today and give your life to Christ. Be the wisest thing you can do. That's where the fear of the Lord begins. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. You can do that after church. Or when we stand in just a moment, you can come and you can join us. You need a church family to help you on the wisdom journey. Come and join us. You're a Christian today. Many of you are doing well. Keep it up. Stay on the journey to be wise. Some of us need to repent. We need to correct our steps before we really end up in a mess. And I challenge you, whether it's at the altar, praying with a minister, or where you're standing, Christian, ask God to help you to live the rest of your life wisely. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you.